Hello and welcome to The Apple Box, an entertainment podcast by Mystic Dude. some spoilers ahead so be warned if you've been watching uh, the house of dragon uh, lord of the rings be warned there might be a few spoilers before i start i've got to say though andor yeah if you're not watching it give it a watch i'm up to episode eight and seriously it's the best star wars content i've seen for years and i'm not a big star wars fan i just like the genre but yeah it's great andor get it on so, as usual, first what we'll start off with is the little game I play each episode. It's just a little true or false, and I'll give you the answer at the end. Bit of fun, you know. So, we'll start with that. So, what you need to do, I'll give you three uh, interesting segments. Well, hopefully they're interesting. <laughs> of information. Two will be true, and one will be false. Your part, just some points around your side work out which one's false and I'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast so if you cheat to Google you're only cheating yourself so this week I'm giving you three famous ad-libs or three famous lines or ad-libs that were left in the final edit so ad-libs it wasn't in the script uh, but it was left in to the final edit and to the release date so the first one is a famous one by Jack Nicholson. He is Johnny as he's coming through the door with the axe from the film The Shining, 1980. Eight, yeah, 1980. Uh, so he originally he improvised this line after several retakes, which sort of triggered him and put you know in a life crisis way. So he improvised it after being made to retake the scene by Stanley. Kubrick. It was a tongue-in-cheek uh, referral to the TV show, The Johnny Carson Show, and uh, Kubrick had actually left it in, and he liked it. So that's number one. Number two, Titanic, 1997, Leonardo DiCaprio, famous scene where he's up at the front of the ship with his arms up in the air, and he declares, I'm the king of the world. So it, that was a set piece, uh, and he... Leonardo DiCaprio shouted it out when he first climbed onto the to the stage prop, the boat. Uh, it wasn't actually filmed, him doing it, but Cameron liked it so much, uh, he had it scripted in, he had it wrote into the film. So that's number two. And number three, Casablanca, 1942. Well, we're going back a bit now. Uh, play it again, Sam. Yeah, uh, Even people who are not that old, not seen it, know that line. So, classic line from the Humphrey Bogart, Humphrey Bergman film. Apparently, Humphrey Bogart, he missed his line cue. So, he turned to Sam, the piano player, I, I don't know the actor's name, and he asked him to uh, play it again, to just give him time to uh, compose himself. Then as a true core, it's a true core, as a true crow, he continued the scene. The director, Michael Curtis, uh, he left it in as a friendly tease to... Uh, Bogart could be a good friend. Rest is in this week. So, just a quick recap. Is it Bogart's miscue? 
Jack Nicholson's tongue-in-cheek improv, or Leonardo DiCaprio's onset improving actor at the end. Right, now, and I, I still need some uh, jingle music for these segments, I'm working on it guys. Uh, so next we've got news and interesting bits of information. Uh, I'm just going to go over it because I've did it last couple of days while I've been uh, off work. So, so Jeff Goldblum, uh, Jurassic Park, The Fly, you'll know him as. He's been announced to appear in one of the two John and Chu movies. These are the Wicked movies. What would you say to the Wicked movies? He'll, he'll be in The Wizard of Oz one. I, I guess he's going to be the wizard. Uh, Oscar, what was his name? Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Diggs or something like that. Zorasta Diggs. So, and look out for the other Wicked movie, Wicked movie as well. Uh, that's the that was a prequel. It was a Broadway play by Gregory Wire. But this will feature the uh, multi-talented Ariana Grande as uh, the witch Belinda. Also in the news, we've got Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Uh, he's going to appear in the remake of The Fall Guy. Remember that? With, uh, what was the actor called? The $6 million man Lee Majors, weren't he? He's going to appear in the remake of that alongside uh, Emily Blunt and uh, Ryan Gosling. Aaron, if you're not familiar with the name, he's most recently been in the Bullet Train. He was one of the two, the double act of the Tangerine. He plays Tangerine. Uh, but he's probably also well known for appearing in uh, Avengers as uh, Quicksilver, the fast guy, the one who was initially a baddie and then uh, turned goody and then died. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, he's actually also coming back to Marvel, uh, but he's coming back as a, another character, which is going to be released in uh, January 23, I believe, uh, Craven the Hunter. So I'll also look out for him in that. So I might need to make a list at some point of actresses and, act actors and actresses who appeared in uh, these big uh, Marvel and DC and Star Wars or whatever productions of different characters. Anyway, also in the news, there's a new t teaser trailer out for The Pale Blue Eye. Uh, that looks really good. It stars Scott Cooper and Christian Bale. It's sort of like a, a gothic horror uh, production uh, from Netflix. And it's based around Edgar Allan Poe in his younger years as a cadet at West Point Military. Looks really good, definitely one to look out for. It's got a limited release before Christmas. So yeah, good luck if you can get it. Uh, and it's got a general release, uh, I believe in the first week of January. Uh, what else news? What's find something good? Oh yeah, recently, this is a nice little tidbit. Henry Cavill is leaving his role as Geralt after, uh, the s after season three of The Witcher. He's gonna be replaced by Liam Helmsworth season four but there's all rumors are already all over internet reddit and twitter and whatnot of why he's leaving so uh probably because of other commitments to the project you know but the rumors are already playing around that it's due to creative differences because uh emery cavill was apparently a big witcher fan but even before he got the role and he wanted to stay true to the uh 
the feel of the, the novels and also the game as well. But uh, yeah, so take it or leave it. That's going to play around for quite a bit. Right, so let's get on to uh, the big two series this this season. House of Dragon, Lord of the Rings. So there is so much in both of these that it could take hours to go through all of it. So I'm just going to give a brief uh, overview and a few comments on what uh, I thought was relevant or what was relevant to me at least. So like I said at the beginning, the two kings are dead. So in House of Dragon, we saw Viserys finally die. Uh, I don't know how he lasted so many episodes. We knew it was coming right from episode one. We knew that it was basically all about that and what we were doing in Sarakovic. We finally got to the point where it was all it was going to be all out war for the throne. Uh, but the only action we actually got was between the two wannabe heirs. Although it was a great scene, it, it was good and it was exciting and it was epic. You know what you'd expect by from a series finale. You know, well filmed with effects. You know, cutting edge effects. And it had that bit of a shock factor on it, you know, but it was, uh, I don't know, a bit of a bit underwhelming overall in the episode, you know. There was uh, allegiances made and brokers both sides sort of scurried to get to their respective sides for the oncoming war, you know. Plans were drawn up, you know, for the coming handbags at 40 paces and then it sort of fizzled out with the two kids fighting on the dragons. Like I said, great scene, epic scene, fantastic, love what, love what that. But the rest of it was a bit, mm, you know, I think we needed a bit more for that last episode. So uh, overall, a good series. You know, it was great if you like that genre. I do, I really enjoyed it overall. More positives, many more positives than negatives. You know, as it's the last episode, I thought I'd mention uh, a couple of the uh, outliers that didn't ruin it, but sort of took, you know, the edge off it. So it started off badly, like I said. The time jumps were a joke. It, it was, it, it cut you out of sync. You know, I felt like first you was trying to play catch up in your mind every episode, like who's this, who's that, you know. Found it a bit hard to relate to the characters as a result. The character introductions were poor to the audience, you know. But then after episode four, it picked up a bit, you know, and it, and it become worth sticking with. Uh, like I say, the, the big negative of it all is that it took episodes. It took ten episodes to get where we knew it was going to be after episode one, which is the king dying, two sides, you know, the two factions. Uh, up and going to war order from did, did we need 10 episodes for that i don't know did we need a bit more after that yes so maybe another 20 to 30 minutes you know to kick off the war going into season two would have been better than ending it where it is but that's just my opinion maybe i'm uh, maybe because i enjoyed it i was getting greedy for a bit more so if it just when I was getting to really enjoy it with the exciting dragon scenes and you know the the ans the incoming battle, it it ended and I'm like no no but you know maybe that's what everyone says. 
the next one is Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. So again, we'll talk about uh, the last episode then, because there was disappointments in it. Yeah, it, overall, it was an absolutely great finale, a great final episode, and it was only after watching it and thinking, you thought, hang on, there was lots missing here. You know, there was characters that had been relevant and prominent through the previous episode that weren't in the last episode. So, for example, uh, Arendir, the, uh, the Sylvan Elf, played by uh, the brilliant Ishmael Cruz, Cordova, Cordova, I can't pronounce his name, and his, uh, his love interest, Bronwyn, and uh, oh, his son as well, Theo, he wasn't in it. Uh, but Bronwyn, played by Nazanin Boniardi, great on-screen couple, lots to pull out there, you know, and I was a bit disappointed, especially the elf weren't in it, he was a great character. Uh, but yeah, also no jury, no dwarves. After all that messing around, with can we have the mithril, can we not have the mithril? You know, building up the relationships. They weren't in the last episode. I'm like, oh, come on. Said the episode itself was great, but it was missing these characters. So again, like the previous one we had seven, we could have done another twenty minutes just to give us some closure on these at the end of this season. You know, there was a couple of little niggles. Well, you know, like I don't know whether they thought they were revealed or whatever, but most people have been watching it. Have probably real realized by now. Uh, Aaron Dar Albrand going to be Sauron uh, maybe not obvious to most people but those were a little background knowledge and the tall stranger with the Harcuts that was obviously it was going to be Gandalf uh, they did try to froze off it during the episode which was good in a way you know it got your second thinking but we all knew it was going to be Gandalf so strangely enough the, uh, the episode still showed a uh, Mordor as the Southlands, so maybe they didn't get the previous week's uh, email that went round saying that it had now changed to Mordor, so that was a bit of an oversight. No biggie, it's not a spoiler that, it's just something I noticed. Uh, again, like House of Dragon, it's got so many positives, so negative. It, I, I think it's got slightly more, so personally, I, w I would put it above House of Dragon. But, you know, what's your view? I think it helps if you've read the books, or maybe it doesn't. Let me know. Maybe if you've read the books, it might, you know, uh, detract from your enjoyment. But yeah. Anyway, both shows have been great. Like I said, you know, regardless of which one was your favourite, both shows have had record viewers. Yeah, for the respective companies, with with the episode ones. I don't know about the total series because. Not all numbers are coming in. So I'd just talk about the episode ones. So House of Dragon, we got 10 million views in the US alone for HBO. Yeah, don't have the worldwide figures on that after that. Rings of Power, 20 mi 25 million uh, for Amazon worldwide. So massive, massive views. Set new record for both companies. Uh, Nielsen's content streaming ratings also has uh, rings coming out slightly ahead 
but like I said, not all the metrics or not all the figures are available. So it doesn't matter who wins. It's two horse race. One's got to be in front of the other. Can't help it. But yeah, at the end of the day, he he did well. So anyway, going back to rings, like I said, that that was my personal favourite due to lots of factors: the setting, the cinematography, just the epic scenes. It's what you'd expect from uh, Lord of the Rings. And yeah, so that that was my personal favourite. Character development felt a bit better. Uh, the story was delivered a little, I think, a bit better. It was less uh, confusing, less convoluted, especially in the earlier episodes with after delivering the narration to the audience. But yeah, uh, the board show had its naysayers, critics over the castings and the canons, as as we call them. But I'm not even going to get into them. So I I personally recommend just ignoring all that lot to be honest and watch the shows the art and the creation section and just enjoying them as, as they come uh, if you're any anyone into this fantasy genre you know it's a win-win all the way we're having two major productions of this uh, size released at this time of year so yeah good job both series you know both enjoyable looking forward to seeing the two on both of them right now we've got three big ones out the way which I was dreading to do, but let's move on to this one. So excited to see Bleach. Yeah, Bleach is back. So this is another anime, but it's one that takes me back oh, 18, 17, 18 years. And for anybody new to Bleach, I'm going to give you a little summary up. It's, it's based on an original manga series by Taika Kirigo. I, I hope I've pronounced his name correctly there. <laughs> it was produced by the studio... Kirox, and it initially aired in Japan between 2004 and 2012. There's many versions been released in different languages since then around the world and on different uh, streaming platforms. And I think it last finished airing uh, about 2015. English dub versions are available if, if you're not uh, a big fan of reading subtitles. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of the different versions out there. So it basically follows uh, the character development of Ichigo Kurosaki. He's a student in Kura, Karakura town. And uh, it's the story of how he becomes a substitute soul reaper and his uh, adventures move forward from there. So soul reapers are Shinigami. That translates to death gods or something like that. And the purpose in this presentation is uh, to defeat hollows the sort of undead evil creatures you know and it's to, to defeat them and then to give guide departing souls to the afterlife just generally fight all the evil doers that want to stop him so Ichigo gets attacked in uh, his town and he is defended by a soul reaper called Rukia Kuchiki Kuchiki can't pronounce her name either. I need to start reviewing programs that have easy names. So I'm going to look for a program next time for with somebody called John Smith in it. Anyway, so he's protected by uh, Soul Reaper Rukia. And uh, he risks a life in doing so. And in the ensuing fight, he, he accepts the role of a substitute Soul Reaper and aids it to win the battle. And then 
the series then develops over several arcs, bringing in his friends along the way, some of his student friends, and uh, some great characters for the Soul Reapers. Who, uh, what I enjoyed about it was the the, the actual captains and and the setup of the the Soul Reapers themselves and the Soul Society. There, there are some classic ones. Again, I'm not going to give you any spoilers. If, if you're going to watch it, or you are watching it, but yeah. So the 16th season, 366 episodes, <laughs> till uh, eventually in 2012 it disappeared. Jump to 2022, series 17's out. Uh, I knew it was coming out, but I was surprised when it did. I, I totally forgot about it. So we're four episodes out at the moment, and like I say, if you're a Bleach fan or an anime, really good I'm not going to give you any spoilers on it all to say like it's basically same as what it used to be there's been no big changes you, you can jump straight into it and it's just like you know putting a your favorite pair of glasses on it it's what you exactly what you remember from 2012 yeah so that that that's good they've done that really well so yeah if you're not into anime it's one I'd, I'd recommend as well to get into. Uh, don't be put off by the sheer amount of episodes. That's a good thing if you get into it because you've got plenty to watch. And don't be put off by uh, the fact that it's Japanese with subtitles because, like I said, there's that many versions out now. Do a bit of searching. You'll soon find an English dub version. And, uh, yeah, hope you'll enjoy it. But season 17, Bleach, out now. Get on to it. And our final one this uh, month is one that I put on a, a bookmark to watch at a later date, but I've ended up watching it now. And uh, it's called The Peripheral. It's airing on Amazon. It's a sort of science fiction time jump thriller. It stars uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Jack Raynor and Gary Carr amongst uh, a wonderful cast. And basically Flynn, who's played by Chloe, with the aid of a brother, Burton, who's played by Jack Rayner, discover a link to the future through a virtual reality program that the brother is given to test. The reason he's given it is he's into virtual reality gaming. She quite often steps in for him. It's a bit cliche. She does a lot better than him. And as a result, whoever sends him, him this piece of kit thinks it's him and sends him this new kit to test it. But then this opens up a, a link to the future and they, from then on they play a cat and mouse unravelling a, a doom and gloom future while trying to avoid uh, people from the present and the future who were trying to dispose of them and get them out of the way. I'll stop there. I don't want to give too many spoilers. Uh, I'm three episodes into it. I actually really good. I'm surprised. Obviously, it's a genre like sci-fi, time travel. Uh, you know, been quite popular recently. You know, and uh, no, but it's done really well. It's well scripted. It's got a great cast. The effects is not not over the top, and when they are done, they're good. You know, the quality. So the settings are good, and it's well directed by uh, Alric Brawley. So going forward, talking of direction. Direction. It's not the same direction as the one I see that 
for episode four and five. That's Philip Brighton Genzo Natale. And uh, he's got a great rig in there, so I expect a, a standard to be to be maintained without an issue. So yeah, good people, check it out. Amazon. Hear you now. Right, moving on. Let's get back to uh, our little game of true and false. So I'll just give you a quick recap in case you forgot. So this week we were looking for famous ad-libs and lines that had been left in the final edit from the release film. And uh, two of them are true, one was false. So the three I gave you was, here's Johnny from the 1980s The Shining. I'm the King of the World from the 1997 film Titanic. And uh, play it again, Sam, from the 1942 film Casablanca. So, this is where I need some dramatic jingle music, and again, I haven't worked on the jingles yet. But so, did you did you uh, work it out? Did you have an idea? Had you heard these? And the answer is coming up now. The false one is play it again, Sam. Number three. So initially, I told you that uh, he'd missed his line cue, so we turned to Sam and asked him to. Uh, play it again to give him a chance to compose himself and then continue the scene and that the director Michael Curtis left it in. So that's false, I made that bit up. So the other two, I'm the king of the world, that is true, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, on set, got up on the uh, stage top boat, wasn't filmed but Cameron liked the line that much, he left it in the film and uh, Jack Nis Nicholson having to retake the scene several times by Stanley Kubrick stuck his head through the door in the famous scene and referring to the Johnny Carson girl said he's Johnny so yeah that, that was true so uh, Kubrick loved it <laughs> thought it was funny so he left it in uh, going back to number three played against Sam the truth it was so yeah everybody remembers it as a collective one of those collective memory instances that Humphrey Bogart says play it again Sam but it's actually Ingrid Bergman who says something quoted when she plays with the piano players play it once Sam for old time's sake play as time goes by so and then later in the film Bogart tells Sam you played it for her so you can play it for me if she can stand it I can play it as you saw by that, I'm not even attempting the accent, so the way he says it, you know, uh, I think all Humphrey Bogart impersonations are poor. But yeah, so he asked uh, Sam to play it again, but he didn't say play it again, Sam. But yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, let me know feedback. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, let me know if you got it right, whether you enjoyed it. So that's it for uh, episode two of The Apple Box your entertainment podcast by Mr. Coop. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out to me through uh, Twitter or you can get my email through Twitter or from the uh, the podcast feed or at the Apple box at bcinternet.com. If you've got any questions and answers or if there's anything you particularly would like me to review or put my spin on, then yeah, let me know. Let's uh, see if we can uh, do it together. So 
but for now, I'll say thank you for listening. And as always, Jeff Wilcox and Mystic Brew, together.